Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. And it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. During the Civil War in 1863, a soldier had fallen on the battlefield at the Battle of Shiloh. A chaplain came to the soldier and it was obvious that he did not have long in this world. And the chaplain said, what can I do for you? The soldier said, I have this wallet here. Would you please make sure this gets to my wife? The chaplain said, I'd be glad to. Is there anything else I can do? And the soldier merely said, can we sing together? And on that battlefield, those two men saying, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. And that's how that man stepped out into eternity. There's something about singing. We want to spend moments of our lives singing. And when you stop and think about what singing is, it's affirming something about our identity. It's affirming something about who we believe we really are. And not only that, but singing is instructive. It teaches those around us what we think is valuable and what we think is important. Why'd you come here today? I suspect if we were to take a poll, there'd be a lot of reasons why you're here this morning. What did you come to do today? Oftentimes when we gather, we might fall into the trap of just gathering because by rote, this is what we do. On Sunday morning, we go to worship services. When we sing, God wants us to be present in the moment. You know what that means to be present in the moment? I'm not distracted, I'm not thinking about something else, I'm not looking at my phone, I'm not trying to send a text to somebody else. When we sing, God wants our hearts in our songs. When visitors come into our assemblies for the first time, often the first thing they notice about us, there's no instruments. And that's one of the most frequently asked questions about God's people, about churches of Christ. Where are the instruments? Why are there no instruments in your singing? We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But I want you to understand me this morning. We don't sing just because we're passing time, killing time until the sermon starts. We're singing because we're singing to our God. We're worshiping our Lord. You know, if you step back just a, a, a hair from that and just ask this question, why do people sing in general? Have you ever watched a European soccer match? Those people sing the entire time, whatever their team song is or their national song, they're constantly singing. And again, they're affirming their own identity. I can remember, maybe you can too, being in kindergarten. I still remember the songs I learned in kindergarten about Miss Mary Mack all dressed in black, silver buttons up and down her back. You know that one? I still remember it. That was a long time ago. 
I could still remember my high school fight song because being in the band, I went to every single football game for four years of high school. As an Aggie, we sing about the spirit that can ne'er be told, the spirit of Aggie land. And there's some of you that know exactly what I'm talking about. We sing because we're saying something about who we are, about what's important to us. What better reason than for us to sing than to say, God is what we're all about. He is most important to us. God's people have always been a singing people. Did you know that? From the very beginning, God's people have been singing people. For example, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 14, the Bible takes a chapter in the middle of this exciting narrative, what's gonna happen to the Israelites next? They got through the Red Sea, the Egyptians are dead on the seashore, what next? Nope, the Bible says Moses and the people of Israel sang a song. And it takes all of a chapter to tell you what they sang about. I will sing to the Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song, they said, Exodus 15 verses one and two. God's people have always been singing people. Deborah and Barak in the days of the judges, upon their victory, sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, the leaders of Israel, they took the lead, the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord, Judges 5, verses 1 and 2. God's people sing. David wrote Psalms, didn't he? So many of the Psalms in the book of Psalms are written by David. Here's what it says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, 1 Chronicles 16, verses 8 and 9. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. God told his people, the Israelites, I want you to sing about me. And the Israelites said, we've got a lot of good reasons to sing about you, O oh God. In fact, their enemies, when they were taken into captivity, they mocked them. When they'd taken them far from their homes and their, their, what was familiar and they were slaves in a foreign land, their enemies mocked them because they knew those Israelites were strange. They're always singing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion, they said. Psalm 137, verse three. Brothers and sisters, when we sing, we are part of a long heritage. This is what faithful people do. We sing to God. We sing about God. We sing to each other about what we need to know about serving God. This is what, is what people do from Israel into the church. I want you to think about this, picture this. In Mark 14, 26, Jesus and the apostles are at the Last Supper. Last Supper, when Jesus in just a matter of hours will stand before Pilate and will be crucified. And the last thing they did together, they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Can you just imagine what that must have been like? Judas has already left, so there are 12 men at the table. I wonder whose idea this was. I would suggest probably the Lord's. Let's sing a hymn and then let's go. I'd like to know what they sang. What do you sing about when you're going to the cross in a few hours? What kinds of words come to mind? But I'll tell you this, they're affirming who they are, they're affirming their identity, and I guarantee the hymn they sang praised God for his goodness, for the mercy and the grace that he was extending even in his son, Jesus Christ.
So those 12 men sang a hymn. God's people have always been a singing people. Paul and Silas, you remember when they were arrested and beaten against any kind of justice, there was nothing good about this. And when Paul and Silas were locked into the dungeon, it says in Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. What do you do when injustice has come to your life? What do you do when you're struggling to make sense of why things are the way they are? there's something about singing that brings us into the very presence of God. And that's where Paul and Silas wanted to be. Even though they were in jail, they could still be in God's presence. God's people have always been a singing people. With that in mind, let's do this with our study. Let's talk about how God commands us to sing first and then talk about some of the specific instructions he's given us And then finally, we're going to talk about some some things that we need to keep in mind as we sing together as God's people this morning. First, God has given you a commandment. The commandment is you are to sing to God. It's an expression of worship. Ephesians 5.19, if you haven't already got your Bibles open there, that was our scripture reading a few moments ago. Ephesians 5 verse 19, notice the command, open your Bibles there. We're going to refer back to this in just a few moments in the next point as well. My translation says addressing one another. Some of your translations say speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. God commands us as the people of God. He says, I want you to sing. Colossians 3.16 is a parallel passage with Ephesians 5.18 and 19. Again, we are to speak to one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts or thankfulness in our hearts to the Lord. God commands this. Can I just stop right there and say this? We shouldn't sing just because we have to. We should sing because we want to. The singing that really pleases God is not singing that I've commanded you and therefore, okay, God, you commanded me, so I'm gonna, no, we ought to sing because we want to sing. This is who we are. This is what we're really all about. James 5.13, James asks, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Did you know that you don't have to be in an assembly like this to sing praises to God? I remember years ago, Angie and I were invited to dinner at a sweet Christian couple's home, and there were several other couples there. And before we left that night, the lady that was that was the uh, the the, the host in that in that house, she said, "Brother John, before before everybody leaves tonight, could we just sing some songs?" And they pulled out the songbooks, and we just sang. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. God's people are a singing people. Hebrews 13, 15, this demands some attention from you and me. The Bible tells us that we are to offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of our lips. In the Old Testament, people had to bring goats and calves and sheep 
and you would bring your sheep to the temple and you would give the sheep to the priest. And the priest would say, what is it that you have brought for the Lord? What gift have you brought for him? I've brought this animal to be sacrificed to God. I'm thankful that we live in the New Testament era where God has not commanded us to bring animals to him, but he has commanded us to bring sacrifices to him. And the sacrifices we bring in the New Testament era are the sacrifice of our lips, this passage says. In other words, when we open our mouths and sing, we are giving gifts to God. How have your gifts been this morning? As we've sung praises to God, did you notice that the songs that Landon selected this morning, all of them, I appreciate this, all of them have to do about with glorifying God and praising God for who He is. And then the last song we sang before the lesson this morning, when all of God's singers get home, we sing to God because we are giving praise to Him. We are bringing sacrifices to Him. That's why I say, brethren, when you sing, you got to work hard to be present in the moment. Because you can sing the song and your mind is a million miles away. That's not godly and that's not sacrifice that pleases God. God commands us to sing. It's wrong. It's wrong to just sit there and never open your mouth. It's not right. God wants us to sing. Whether you think you can sing or not is not the point. God wants us to make a joyful noise to the Lord. It's his commandment. Second, this morning, some instructions concerning singing. God has told us the kind of singing that he wants. Again, look at your Bibles, Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Let me read it one more time. Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. God says, stay away from alcohol. But then he tells us what to do positively. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. And he gives us some participles, some ING words that tell us how that happens. He says, first of all, by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When we understand what this passage is doing, you know, I've had people come to me sometimes and they talk about Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, or they talk about Colossians 3, 16, and they'll say, Brother John, I just don't see that this is about a worship service. I don't see that this is the way God wants us to sing in, in, in our corporate assemblies. May I just kindly respond? This passage does not tell us about where we sing. This passage tells us about how we sing and why we sing. That's what the passage is doing. How do you sing and why do you sing that way? And whether you're in someone's home or whether you're in a service like this, really doesn't matter. If we're going to honor and honor God, be filled with the Spirit and the way it's telling us to do, we're gonna listen to God's instructions here. How to sing, why to sing. Aggies, Aggies sing because we want other people to know how great we are, okay? That's, that's just, you know, that's the, and so I remember back when I was in college, we would all be singing in the stands and I can remember seeing the opposing teams because they would always be down the sideline in front of us and they kind of turn around, they'd look and they, you know, this is just bizarre. Why do these people sing like this? Because we wanted everybody to know it's great to be an Aggie, right? Why do you sing as a Christian? What are you trying to do? Listen to what it says. 
Ephesians 5.19 tells us we are to sing with intelligible words. We are not humming. We are not ooing and aahing. We are not beatboxing. We are speaking with intelligible words because the Bible specifically tells us that when we sing, we are to address one another. We are to speak to one another. That's what our songs are to be comprised of. This is important. I want to listen to what God tells me he wants in my songs. Not only that, but when we sing, God says, I want you to sing about spiritual things. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, some people have tried to differentiate those three. I'm not convinced there's a great deal of difference. He's just trying to make sure that we emphasize we want to sing about spiritual things. If you really want to put a fine point on it, some people have suggested that psalms have to do with Old Testament songs. Did you know Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah is an Old Testament psalm? The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm 23. That's another song that we sing. Hymns, hymns, some people have said, is all about that which praises and glorifies God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, speak about his greatness, those kinds of things. And then spiritual songs. You know, some of the songs we sing are songs like angry words, oh, let them never. From the tongue, unbridled slip, love one another. God wants us to sing about spiritual things when we sing. Intelligible words, spiritual matters, because this is who we are. It's about our identity. It's about talking about what's important to us. There is musical expression that's involved in our singing. We are to sing, it says, and we are to make melody with our hearts. Interestingly, this is the passage that tells us the kind of instrument that God once used. People come into our assemblies oftentimes and they ask, you know, there's no organ, there's no piano, there's no guitar, where are those things? This is a matter of faith, brethren. This is not a question of just a difference of interpretation or, a, or, or just a matter of judgment. This is not one of those things. There are some things that are matters of judgment. This is not one of them. God says, I want you to sing and I want you to make melody. That is to play an instrument and the instrument I want you to play is your heart. And what that means to us, practically, God doesn't want you to just sing the words mindlessly. God wants you to mean what you're singing. That's what it means, to sing and to make melody with your hearts. When God said, I want to hear from your heart, I want that kind of music offered to me, he excludes every other kind of instrument. We need to appreciate what he's telling us. Did you know that for the first 1,500 or so years of Christianity, we might say Christendom, did you know that instrumental music and singing was almost completely unheard of? 1,500 years. When Christians gathered, they sang hymns and they sang without an instrument except for their hearts. It's really only been in the last two or 300 years that most of our religious neighbors have begun to incorporate instruments into their worship. And do you know some of the things they say? They say, it almost becomes like a performance and we gotta fight against that because we don't want people performing. If we just go back to the New Testament pattern and just look at the way that God spoke about how he wants us to sing, it's simple, it makes sense, and ultimately, We know for a fact this is what pleases God. 
Sing, make melody in your hearts. That's his will. This is an expression of worship. When we sing and make melody in our hearts, we are doing this as an offering, as we said, Hebrews 13, 15, we're doing this as an offering to God. We are lifting up our songs to him. We are praising him. We are glorifying him. We are talking about how great he is. This is what happens when we sing. Let's talk about this, the uniqueness of singing. Isn't it amazing that God decided in his grace and his mercy to give us singing as a way to express what's going on? I've been doing some study recently on the book of Psalms, just personal things. And there are some things that you could say in prose that are much better said in poetry. There are some things that you could just say when you're talking to somebody that, that, that comes across and gets the point across and it's very clear, but poetry says it's so much better in expressing how we feel, expressing the emotions of our hearts. And that's what singing is. Singing is expressing not just our intellect, but our emotions. It's doing those things in honor and glory of God. When we sing, we all talk together. Psalm 34, verse 3, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let us sing praises to him. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 3. Let us come together and as a congregation offer up our voices. When I preach a sermon or when Jordan or KJ or Daniel or anybody else preaches a sermon, I'm the only one talking. At least most of the time. I see some of you talking from time to time, but you know. <laughs> but typically I'm the only one talking. I know some of you guys are texting too. You think I don't know what's happening in the pews? I, <laughs> the preacher can't see me. He's like 15 feet away. But typically, I'm the only one talking, right? When we sing, we're all talking and we're all instructing each other all at the same time. And instead of it being you know, all of us stand up and start talking when services are over, it's going to be chaos. You're not going to be able to understand one conversation from another. When we sing, it's beautiful, it's harmony, and we do it together as a body. That's what singing does for us. It provides a, a sense of unity and a bond, and this is who we are, and this is what we believe, and these are the things that are important to us. Voices are lifted together when we sing. When we sing, God is exalted and praised. Psalm 40, verse 3, the psalmist said, he has put a new song in my mouth. Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. God wants to be praised. And one of the ways we praise him and talk about how great he is, is by singing about him. And don't forget this. Every single week we have people come into our assemblies and we're thankful that you're here if you're in this category this morning. People who have maybe never been here before and they listen to what you're singing and they're learning about what we believe and what we think is valuable by listening to us sing and not just what we sing but how we sing. They're learning. And so those who are outside, they come into our assemblies and they learn something about who God is by the way we praise and exalt Him. Let us never, never, never allow our singing to become ordinary and routine. Let us always, when we come in, 
let us fight this battle. And I want, to listen. I want you to listen. The battle you have to fight is this. The song leader is not always going to pick your favorites. He's not always going to pick the songs that you think ought to be sung. That's why he's the leader and you're not. The song leader is going to lead songs and sometimes he's going to pitch them too high or too low. Sometimes he's going to lead them too fast or too slow. The battle you get to fight is this. It doesn't matter what the song leader's doing. It doesn't matter what people around me are doing. I've come in here and I'm going to praise God and I'm going to sing songs to him because this is my offering to him. This is my sacrifice to him. That's the attitude that'll help our singing, all of us. And we've got some wonderful song leaders and we thank God for that. We thank God for all of you who lead singing among us. Thanks so much for your diligence and your thoughtfulness in doing what you do. But you may have different opinions about what's being done. If it honors God, let's put our whole hearts in it. He's exalted and praised. Next, when we sing, instruction takes place. Colossians 3.16, we're speaking, we're instructing one another by our psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, restoration preachers, preachers of yesteryear, preachers of previous generations, they used to have a sermon. Many of them did. Do you sing a better religion than you live? That's a question worth thinking about. When I sing all of self or all of, uh, none of self and all of thee, when I sing that song, is that really the way I'm living my life? Or when I sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, but all I ever think about is stuff and things and putting down roots here. Am I singing a better religion than I actually practice? We instruct one another, we remind one another of what's important when we sing. Singing is unique because God's truth is written on our hearts when we sing. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you ever stopped to consider that that's in a songbook? The book of Psalms is the songbook of ancient Israel. And one of the things they were singing was, God, I want to write your word on my heart. I want to think about who you are and remember what your word tells me so that I might not sin against you. It's amazing when you think about what's happening on Sunday nights in our kids sing program. A bunch of you have already memorized 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3 and you may not even realize that you've done that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, you know what those words say. Not because you've just recited them over and over, but because you've sung them over and over. You go to nursing homes and people that are elderly and they're feeble and they're, they're not able to get out of the wheelchairs, but you go into a nursing home and you lead blessed assurance or you lead amazing grace. And what happens? They're singing right along because these words have been burned on their hearts. God's truth is written on our hearts when we sing together. It's important for us to appreciate the uniqueness of singing. In the moments when we sing, we come before God. In the moments when we sing, we lift up our hearts in praise to Him. We instruct one another. We tell others around us who we are. Paul and Silas were singing in that Roman prison and everybody in that prison knew those men serve the God of Israel. Those men serve Jesus Christ. They knew that about those men because of the fact that they were singing. We can lift up our voices together and offer songs and praises to God. It's unique. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Don't neglect it.
don't think that this is just a sidebar in our worship or this is just something that we could live or t- live without, we could do or do without. This is something that God desires of us. And he shapes and molds us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ, when we sing with our hearts. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian. If you haven't obeyed the gospel yet, the very best thing you could ever do with your life is to repent of your sins and to be baptized. Because when you're baptized, you become a child of God. You become a Christian. Baptism is what Jesus called the new birth. John chapter 3 verse 5, being born of water and of the Spirit. And maybe you're ready this morning to be baptized because you understand that this is how I become a Christian. We're more than happy to help you make that decision this morning if you'd like to do that. Maybe you'd like to respond and ask for prayers. Whatever you do, whatever you do, when we sing together, lift up your voice and lift up your heart in praise and awe to God Almighty. Don't ever forget that. Let's do that while we stand and sing.